0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of Every Woman here on KKFI. You are here today with your host today, Sheila, and this segment is What's Cooking? And, um, you know, we all know that October is a month that we set aside and we recognize um, breast cancer, breast cancer awareness, breast cancer survivors, those who are still in the battle, uh, battling breast cancer. And so we're just going to take some time out today and and talk about that. So welcome to today's show.
1: Thanks, Sheila. Do you have any friends or family that have been personally affected by this issue? Yes,
0: I have. Um, I have a maternal aunt that was... um, think she was about 35 37 and uh, she had to have uh, a mastectomy i'm not you know i was a little kid you know or teenager so i don't really remember what type and all of that but she didn't have to have um chemotherapy Uh, she had the mastectomy and then they gave her the a five-year sort of hormone peel that she took for five years and you know and she never had any other issues any other reoccurrences with that um and then I have a first cousin who transitioned from breast cancer in 2009 I've had oh my gosh one two three three friends who are survivors of and one who I just left her. Um, we had a little uh, sleepover with her last night. She is battling. She has been battling since 2018. Uh, stage four metastatic triple negative breast cancer.
1: Ouch! That's, yes, that's a
0: that's a tough. It is tough. Yeah. Um, I. She is. Um, down to 95 pounds and it is such a a hard thing to see you know and watch and and there's
1: absolutely nothing you can do yeah medical stats say that 95 pounds for an adult woman is underweight by any measure but Particularly when you've seen them go for the healthy person that you knew and seen the flesh melt off their bones down yes. to that, it, it's harder. Yes,
0: yes, absolutely. It is very difficult. Um, triple negative also is a um, it's a rare form of breast cancer, but it's an aggressive form, and it is more common in uh, women of color. Ah in particularly african-american women
1: i i knew that various types of breast cancer tend to follow different genetic lines a a very commonly known pattern for that is the people that have jewish heritage of the ashkenazi descent Um, there's a particular type of breast cancer that is common in those family lines and in fact one of my friends was diagnosed with that type three or four years ago now Um, They did the genetic testing and so did their sister and mother and they had to have mastectomies and the uh, follow-up chemotherapy afterwards and they came out the other side of that and they've been clear since then but obviously still going to monitor. And I think their sister may have tested as clear from the genetic risk Mm -hmm. but their mother wasn't and then you have... Questions of should we just monitor or should we do um, a preemptive emptive uh, mastectomy just to be on the safe side in case there's something going there that we haven't found. And I think most people these days are probably very familiar with Angelina Jolie making that choice. That was yes. a very widely publicized case. And Especially given her amazing figure that got shown off on film so often, it's quite a brave decision to have to make because for many women, it's a huge part of your self image and who you are. But most women, don't make their money from that figure yes. and has that possibly impacting their future earnings? Yes, yes, yes.
0: It is a very um, it's very challenging. in fact, uh, the friend that I mentioned, her mother transitioned from breast cancer and then uh, one of her sisters had been diagnosed. But the genetic testing says that she does not have a genetic marker for it. It's the strangest thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of things they tell you you don't need to be uh, scanned until you're 50. And uh, there's been arguments about whether that should be dropped down to 40 or whether that increases your risk of having extra x-rays. And it should be 50. And some people have even argued for 60. I'm not sure if that's based on women's health or on reducing the cost of the insurance companies. Right. But... uh, (laughs) Your friend that was diagnosed at 37 was quite lucky to be diagnosed before it reached stage 4 because most people don't get scans and most people are very bad at doing self-checks. They tend to either leave it till the doctor does it once a year at their annual physical if the doctor remembers to do it, or they skip it entirely until they notice something strange on their breast.
0: Yes, absolutely. She was... um very you know very fortunate and and actually her grandmother um, maternal grandmother um, had breast cancer and that is ultimately what she transitioned from as well.
1: My maternal grandmother did as well she got Mm. breast cancer when I was about six-ish and uh, a couple of years later it had metastasized, despite having the mastectomy and of course testing and treatments and things were not as good back then so the first she knew about it was she was in the bath and she noticed a lump in her breast when she was bathing herself wow and then it metastasized it went to her bones Mm. and i think the first we knew about that was when she slipped on the stairs and her hip just shattered and when Mm. they did x-rays on it they found that the bones were riddled with it oh my goodness wow wow It is really, um,
0: I tell you, you know, women's health is so important, but it it appears to be one of those things that is so overlooked.
1: Yeah, and then you see campaigns from groups that have things like Save the Tatars, and it's like, it's not about the Tatars, it's about the women. Yes. The breasts are not what is important, it's the women who bear them, or who don't bear them, because of mastectomies or other issues in their lives yes absolutely and you know i often wonder you know if
0: it's this way in this great country oh my god what is it like for women in other countries
1: yeah um i know certainly in the uk when i was last living there if you were female the recommendation was to have a pap smear every five years and i moved over here and it was every year if you're sexually active and that's a huge difference in the time that something can have been progressing on it's a huge
0: difference you know they recently in here in the states has have changed that if your previous pap smear was fine then the protocol now
1: is three to five years It might be as it becomes more popular as the people that have had the vaccine against the papilloma virus uh, age through the population. It may be less necessary to get that tested. Yes. But uh, a timely thing that we have to do right now is it's time for a station break, and then we'll be right back with everyone. Awesome.
0: Yes, welcome back. Um, We are having a discussion today on... uh, breast cancer and and women's health you know um it is an important uh component of our lives and we all have women in our lives that are important to us and that we love and you know daughters and aunts and friends and mothers and cousins and you know it's it's important um whether you're Uh, you know uh, a woman or not you know that this cause is supported uh because we know that you know it takes all of us you know to push an agenda and um again this is october october um is recognized in the united states as breast cancer awareness month in fact there was a walk here in kansas city
1: today in honor of that's cool because one of the things that can actually reduce your risk of getting virtually all sorts of cancer is exercise. There are some diet items that, um, like avoiding having too much food with the inflammatory markers in it, which tends to be rich fatty beef and things like that, that can help, but exercise is generally recognized as improving your health against virtually every type of disease issue whether it's cancer or heart disease and it's even studies have even started to find it can help prevent uh, or delay uh, dementia in Mm. cases so healthy mind and healthy body Yes, yes. Uh, speaking
0: of dementia, I was recently at a uh, conference, and um, there's some studies coming out of—I can't remember if it was—I can't remember the university, and cause, so I don't want to misquote. But they were making the correlation correlation between the increase in African American women being diagnosed with dementia and systematic racism the policies you know that we've had in this country you know um those things that are stressors and burdens uh you know to you know to african-americans period but it was a very interesting uh to read all of that data on how those stressors impact over time uh, the african-american woman
1: and were they saying that there is an increase in it because our society is so horrible and there are all those stresses, or are they saying there's an increase in it because people are finally getting their voices heard and listened to and actually diagnosed?
0: It was a combination of both. Mm-hmm. It was actually a combination of both, having access, you know, being able to go, you know, uh, to the doctor when something's going on, and then just, you know... I, it seemed like there, it was on the rise, and they're trying to figure out what is the rise, you know, and why are we seeing more of it, you know? Um, has this always been here? And where, you know, again, where is it coming from? Very, they make correlations very similar to trauma, you know, and how, you know, trauma can be passed down through our DNA same, you know, concepts they were talking about in this study.
1: Yeah, some families get to pass down generational wealth and other families get to pass down generational trauma. Yes, yes. definitely need to put a stop to that.
0: Absolutely, we're working too, right? Yeah. (laughs) Always say there's more of us than them. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, certainly the them tend to have the majority of the money and the power, but that's something else that we'll have to carry on working on.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Um,
0: it is, you know, you know, and it's not, it's not a new, you know, women's health, of course, is not a new topic. It's not a new issue. Uh, but I am grateful that, you know, we're hearing more of it. We're seeing more of it. You know, we have opportunities, you know, to get engaged in it, you know, just like your previous guests, you know, they're having the listening session on Monday, you know, uh, and so those opportunities are very important so that we can come together as a collective voice and, you know, and affect change, you know, impact, you know, change in our communities and overall health for, you know, for women.
1: Yeah, it's particularly important for women and for women of Mm colour because historically, if you go to a doctor and you are female, you are likely to have your symptoms diminished. And even female doctors, despite having gone through the lived experience themselves of being female and no one listening to their pain, still tend to discount the symptoms of females that go to see them with a problem yes. including levels of pain but also symptoms that might align with breast cancer or some other systemic disease that really needs jumping on quickly absolutely yes
0: i had a, a, an experience just like you described i had um about 12 years ago i was diagnosed with a very rare type of lymphoma and so i had gotten a new um Primary care physician, not primary care, I'm sorry, gynecologist. And it was my first visit to her because my previous gynecologist that I had for years delivered my babies, one of my grandbabies, she retired. <laughs> so I had to find someone else. And so, and although that previous pap smear was normal, when I went to the new uh, gynecologist, she says, oh, I see your, uh, your previous pap smear was normal, so I'm not going to do one today. And I said, you're not? I said, but I'm supposed to do this once a year. And she says, well, but the protocol has changed, you know. And I said, hmm. And I said, well, i tell you what. I'm going to give you two reasons or three reasons why you are going to do a pap smear today and had I not been persistent and she was a a, a woman doctor and had I not been persistent she would have went with that protocol and so I said first of all I said I have a very rare type of lymphoma which I'm sure you've read in my charts second of all I said you need a baseline this is our first interaction this is our first visit you need a baseline third of all After 17 years, I have a new partner. So those are the three reasons why you're going to do one today. And she agreed. She said, you know what? You're absolutely right. And guess what? Three days later, I got a call from the nurse. We see some abnormal cells. The doctor wants you to come in and get a colposcopy.
1: Really now? (laughs) And just think if you hadn't uh, stood your ground and advocated for yourself and had the words and the knowledge to do that and to make that case that would have been missed for maybe two or three years and who knows what could happen what that
0: could have turned into yes yes it is it's so important and I uh advocacy is 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 critical in every aspect of our life but in particular, you know, when it comes to women, girls' health, you know, we have to really advocate, even in 2022, uh, hey, we're here, <laughs> I
1: know my body, right, I know my pain level, doctor. <laughs> yeah, so many women I know that go to their doctor with symptoms get told, oh, it's just stress, or it's indigestion, or maybe it's acid reflux, try taking an antacid, and they come back three or four weeks later with exactly the same symptoms and nothing has helped it and nothing has changed and they're told, oh, well, you must have just pulled a muscle. And it's like, if you pulled a muscle in your back and it's this bad for four weeks, there's got to be something else going on with you for something to have stood up and still be causing that much pain that long. So at the very least, they should be referring them to physical therapy and, or maybe getting x-rays to see exactly what they did to their back that might need fixing. Instead of just saying stress or pulled muscle. And I've had a friend who did this over and over for six months before the doctor finally said, you know, maybe I should listen to these symptoms and maybe they should have got better by now. Mm -hmm. By which time she had stage 4 metastatic liver cancer. Wow. Yeah. It had spread through her abdomen and into her spine, which was what was causing the back pain. And yes, of course she had symptoms of pain in her digestion and digestive issues, which could easily be put down as stress. But if they're new symptoms and people haven't had those symptoms before most people, especially most women that I know, have been stressed their whole lives. If you're suddenly developing symptoms because of it, maybe look into it instead of just saying, oh, it's stress, go home, don't worry your pretty little head about it.
0: Absolutely, yes. It seems as though it is, it's so easy, you know, um, to discount women, you know, and the things that we go through. And even in my own diagnosis, you know, it was a process you know before i got that diagnosis and i remember early on well maybe there's something you know in your life that's stressing you out or and it's like you know
1: okay what if a man was coming in here saying that would you be telling him he's stressed out well that's a bad thing about our society because everyone assumes that men don't get stressed when they do and have mental health issues with that leading cause of death in certain age groups being suicide if you're male shows that yes. so society needs fixing for everyone yes. not just for women, not just yes. for men and not just for non-binary or gender non-conforming people, everyone needs yes. a better, more equitable society yes. but telling women uh, or anyone that isn't strongly masculine presenting that they're just stressed and go away until the stress stops happening is evil. It yes. Or I, at I the agree. best uh callous indifference. Yes, that there we go.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I totally agree. It is um I was trying to find some stats for Kansas City uh on um you know re reoc- diagnosis of breast cancer. And I didn't find specifically Kansas City but what I did find was the uh current and I believe these were current as of um yes, as of uh, 2022. And this comes from the National Breast Cancer Foundation. And it says and I'm just going to read it. It says um in 2022, approximately 287,000 850 new cases of invasive breast cancer in the U.S. will be diagnosed among women in the U.S. 43,250 women will die from breast cancer. Yeah. It's like, wow.
1: Yeah, they're huge numbers. That's and huge. As I was saying earlier, doctors tend to ignore women's symptoms and diminish them. The depressing part is that studies have shown that if you take a male with you and they repeat the exact same information, it gets listened to. So all of you women and femme-presenting people out there, if you have a male of your acquaintance that you don't mind sharing all of your nitty-gritty, icky, very personal, horrible symptoms and information with and who is willing to go, to you, go with you to the doctor's, They are more likely to actually get you listened to, and that is a horrible thing about our society. And it gets worse if you're a person of colour because Mm -hmm. that's doubled. Mm -hmm. If you can manage to find a white male of your acquaintance Mm -hmm. to report that, it will be even more effective than a person of the same race as you are that you might be a little bit more likely to be mm-hmm. close enough to to share information with if you can find some random white male off the street who will speak for you and be like the speaker for the trees uh, but the speaker for black women's health care yes they will actually listen to them and they are much less likely to listen to you and yes. that is an appalling thing about the state of our society
0: uh, i would agree i would agree yes
1: And so you think, where do we,
0: you know, as women, you know, learning to really, you know, be in tune with our bodies, you know, taking care, you know, like you said, making sure that we're exercising, you know, eating fairly well, you know, not a lot of foods with extra hormones and that sort of thing in it, and, you know, controlling as much of our environment as we possibly can, you know, certainly those things, our lifestyle choices, you know, it's, um, it, it's imperative, you know. I just recently started um, back on my journey of, you know, getting all these extra pounds off. And so, but I had to be very adamant and kind of stingy with my time. And so I said to my family, I'm not doing anything for anybody in, in the, when the day first starts until I take care of me first. So I'm going to make sure that I get my walk-in, my stretch-in, my meditation, or whatever it is that I choose to do that morning to get me jump-started for the day. I am no longer allowing my family to interrupt that. I'm going to take care of me first. And then after I'm all done with me, okay, then what do you need? What can I do to help you today?
1: Yeah, and so many women don't prioritize themselves, or if they try to, they then stomp on themselves and say that they're being selfish. Yes. But they still encourage other members of their family to see the doctor or to do things to get fit and yes. to help themselves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because they have this strange idea either that they're immortal or that everything will grind to a halt without them. And. That's probably true. Everything Mm -hmm. will grind to a halt without them, but unless they take care of themselves and their health and their mental status with some self-care and Mm -hmm. with some health care, there's a much better odds that they won't be there and everything will grind to a halt and everyone's going to have to deal with losing them.
0: Yes, absolutely. One morning my granddaughter called me. She had missed the, the school bus and she's like, Gigi, I need you to take me to school. I missed the bus or the bus didn't come or something like that. And I said, "Well, okay, it's going to have to wait until after my walk." She said, "But Gigi, that means I'm going to be late." I said, "I understand." I said, "But my walk comes first. Yeah, you know I and so I knew that if I gave into that, even though her getting to school was extremely important, but I couldn't give in to that or then that would have been the beginning of me getting back into what I had always done and um, I just you know at first I felt kind of like selfish but no it's not and I told her I said I'm gonna live to be a 90 year old spunky one okay and this is important this is an important part of me being able to do that you want me to see you walk down the aisle you want me to be there when you have your kids then you just sit there I'll be there when I get done give me about an hour you'll be all
1: right (laughs) Yeah, and it's an important thing that you demonstrated for her too because kids that grow up where their mother constantly self-sacrifices and does everything around the house and males don't lift a finger or always get taken care of and the females don't and don't get their voice listened to that's what those kids whether they're male female or non-binary whatever they are that is the model that they grow up in in the heads even if both parents give lip service to equality and to sharing and that things should be fair they don't Kids are smart. They are very. They can fairy. see the difference oh, between yes. what you do and what you say. Absolutely. And they know when they're being snowed. Absolutely, they do. And they, they do. on those signals mm-hmm. that if they're male, they don't need to even worry about loading the dishwasher. They can just leave their dishes wherever, and their mm-hmm. mother or someone else will descend behind them and tidy them up, and mm-hmm. they'll magically disappear. The dishwasher fairy will mm-hmm. appear for them. And that there will be multiple of those types of fairies. And it's the same with health care and prioritizing yourself and your self-care. If yes. you say, this stuff's important, but never do it and always cancel your stuff for it. Yes. Then you send the message that they mm-hmm. will have to as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is it, it is important. It, it's, you know, like you said, they they do what they see. You know, they're products of their environment. And I saw my mother do exactly that. We were... Her everything and we came first every single time no matter what it was and you know and over time you know what does that do to a person
1: yeah i saw it you can sometimes think that you're god's gift to the entire planet and become a really arrogant horrible self-centered person because of that or sometimes, you are good despite what you've had modeled for you, mm-hmm. but it's much more likely that you're going to think that you're God's gift to the entire world and you're entitled to everything. And you end up frequently losing your mother from things like that, either because of an undetected health care issue or just mm-hmm. because they're worn to a, a crisp and people's bodies can't take that. Yes,
0: yes, yes. That underlying health care issues, you know. Again, not taking, you know, uh, the time for ourselves. And it's so important, you know, Um, It is, my granddaughter also said something to me a while back, and she said, Gigi, you work all the time. I do. (laughs) I work all the time. I said, however, that's why it is very important for me to carve out time for me that has nothing to do with you all. It's all about me. So when I say I'm going on a trip, Or I'm taking a couple of days away, or even that hour in the morning, you know, or hour in the evening, and understand that that's very important, you know, to who I am as a person, who I am, you know, even as, you know, your grandmother, you know, and so respect that. (laughs) You know, don't try to make me feel guilty. (laughs) Don't do that to me. (laughs) She's really good, though. She's she's a good girl.
1: Yeah, although... If you're always there for them, people kind of expect you to always be there for them. Yes. And after the first shock of being told, I will give you a lift to school, but not till I'm done with my things," so it'll be an hour or two, um, they might be a little bit more motivated to try and be on time in future because that safety net is now gone. So you're actually teaching them very good habits for when they move out of the house and they don't have the safety net yes. as available. Yes. Being responsible. It's like, ugh.
0: You know, uh, it's, yeah, it is is so important, you know, to teach that and and demonstrate that.
1: And one of those responsible things that we don't like doing is every month you're supposed to do breast checks. Yes. So you know what your breasts look like when they're healthy, so it becomes easier to spot even small changes. Yes. And I know we've had guests on the show before that have survived breast cancer, and one of them was... Fairly young when she was diagnosed. She was about 32. Wow. And so it was before any time that she was likely to have had any scans and she didn't have anyone in her family who had breast cancer. Mm. And she noticed a strange change on her skin. It was kind of like orange peel, which Mm. everyone always thinks of of, as like cellulite and on your Mm -hmm. eyes when you reach a certain age. But she was like, this is different, this is weird. So Mm -hmm. she went to her doctor and the doctor was like, oh, maybe you had a bug bite or it's just X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. Keep an eye on it. It'll probably go away after two or three weeks. And so she went home reassured and then kept thinking about it. And she was like, I don't want to wait two or three weeks. If this is something bad, it could have really spread by then. So she made an appointment with the doctor again and advocated for herself. And they scanned and it was actually breast cancer. Wow. And they had been saying, oh, probably just a bug bite. Mm-hmm. Wait a few weeks mm-hmm. and it'll go away by itself. Yes. And it's so scary. Wow. I'm so glad she went back. Followed her first mind, you know? Yes. hmm Yeah. But, yeah, she was a young black woman with no history of mm-hmm. it in her family. Wow. So much less likely to be listened to with that that family history and mm-hmm. being a young black woman. Yes,
0: kind of like my first cousin, and there was no family history because she's on my paternal side, no family history of breast cancer whatsoever. And so she must have been about thirty three, thirty four uh, when she was diagnosed, and you know it was a shocker, you know, because again, no family history. And, you know, and not at that age, you know, and she, you know, felt, you know, uh, a lump and thought, what is that? And, you know, it went right in, which, you know, we're really glad she went right in. And, and sure enough, it was, um, it was breast cancer. And so it has no age, you know, and that's the... You know, I know there's, you know, those guidelines of um, protocols of when we should get tested, uh, but it's not confined to women over 40.
1: No. Or women over 50, Mm -mm, even. mm -mm. And because my grandmother had had breast cancer, my doctor sent me for a baseline scan at age 40. Mm -hmm. So if there had been anything, it might have got caught early at that one, but at the very least, we would have differences to track back and compare against. Yes. You? Something seemed to be developing even if it wasn't quite there yet. Yes, yes.
0: My doctor did the exact same thing because my maternal aunt. And um, when I was 35, I had my first baseline. Mm-hmm. And I went back every year after that. Yeah.
1: And it can be scary. Uh, very, very, very. Because a lot of the time... You ignore these things or don't, don't, worry, don't worry about them. Even. And as soon as you have an appointment, a scan or whatever, booked, your brain somehow becomes magically convinced that because this is happening, it will find something. Uh, and it's actually the opposite. It's not going to make things more likely to get found over those few days just because you're having the test. But it is going to be much more likely to have a chance to save your life. Absolutely. And... Um, there's a term for that. Uh, it combine. It's a portmanteau word. It combines the word "scan" and the word "anxiety," and you smush them together, and you get "scanxiety." I love it.
0: <laughs> I love it. Yes, yes. And it is scary, you know. Getting those uh, scans, you know, I you know remember also well myself, you know, having uh, having to have you know enlarged lymph nodes removed and you know sent to the pathologist and just sitting there on hands and needles going, oh my goodness, you know? um, But one of the things I, you know, I tried to be very deliberate about was, you know what? This scan is necessary. This biopsy is necessary to give us clues or ideas, you know, or just that there's nothing there. And so there's nothing to be afraid of, regardless of what that scan may say. Uh, because every day, Sheila, you wake up and you choose faith over fear. And so because fear cripples us, you know, and fear prevents us from being able to think clearly, you know?
1: Yeah, and a lot of people keep hearing about the fight or flight reflex, but what people rarely mention is there's also a freeze reflex in there. And an awful lot of people don't fight awfully they get frozen by it and they get paralyzed into inaction yes and i'm going to take a brief station break which will help us take action with things and then we'll be right back thank you all for listening today to this segment of every woman
0: and today we've been just having a conversation a very casual conversation uh about women's health breast cancer uh and some of the things nuances in our society you know that can impede or be barriers you know uh to women living their best life you know and because it's important you know that uh that we're able to do that because when we live our best life that means everyone that we are that are around us you know we can impact you know them and support them and in all of their endeavors and so uh thank you all for listening and supporting kkfi and the every woman show and other programs like this bringing information and conversations to the community uh that are valuable uh
1: to our community thank you so much Yeah, we were just talking before the break about how scary those scans can be. Yes. Um, the first time that I had a scan for my, for my breast, first time I had my mammogram, they found fibrocystic changes. and That was the terminology that they used. And instead of phoning me, and telling me straight away and letting me talk to a human being where I could actually answer questions, sorry, ask questions and get them answered about what this means, they sent a postcard with the notification of it, like you usually get for if your result is good. And not only was it a postcard or a letter, it arrived, of course, on Friday afternoon and meant that there was no one to talk to or ask questions about for the whole of the weekend. But... It turns out that a lot of the time things can be inconclusive and Mm -hmm. there's a lot more false positives than there are false negatives Mm -hmm. and so they usually do a second mammogram because things may have changed since then there may perhaps if your period was due or something there could have been swelling and it may have made something look like there was something there when there wasn't and they also tend to do an ultrasound as well which lets them see the tissue differently and get a good idea of what's going on in there so Sometimes you can get a scary follow-up, and every time since then, all of my follow-ups that have been scary have been handled with a phone call. They have learned from probably an awful lot of angry feedback from an awful lot of angry women, uh, but there will be someone that you can talk to. And even if you don't get to ask good questions of that person, if all they're interested in is getting you on the schedule for things just about every hospital and healthcare system i know now has a patient navigator who you can call and say i didn't get enough information about this who can i talk to you know who's who in the system put me in touch with them
0: absolutely the patient navigator is huge i mean in even in my own journey they have been i mean just a wealth of information you know And like you said, who's who, who do I talk to for this or for that, you know, and even, you know, um, putting me in contact, you know, giving me resources for therapy, you know, that was because getting a diagnosis of a, of a cancer and they say, oh, by the way, there's not a cure for this. And you're like, wait a minute, what? Not only are you telling me that I have this rare form of lymphoma, but. The scientists say there's no cure, too? Oh, yeah, I'm going to need some help to deal with this <laughs> mentally. Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if it's a cancer that there are cures for, mm-hmm. it's not a 100% cure. Yes, yes. And so... It's still really scary, especially for those of us that are a little bit older and grew up when the recovery rates were much smaller Mm -hmm. because medical science has made huge advances Mm -hmm. and all of these early detection things have made things a lot more survivable. Yes. But those of us that grew up, as soon as you heard the word cancer, it was a death sentence. Absolutely. With exceedingly unpleasant side effects from treatment on the way to that death sentence. We really need to get help from counseling or therapy or mm-hmm. however you want to phrase that mm-hmm. it is not a sign of weakness mm-hmm. to be able to reach out and ask for help it's actually a sign of strength because
0: Absolutely.
1: so many people are afraid of looking weak
0: that mm-hmm. they won't ask for help mm-hmm. i did and i'll never forget she asked me she says well sheila she said how old do you want to be before you transition and i said 90 she said well then 90 it is and then I was like, oh, you know what? You're right. And so it was having someone else to to say that and support that and reinforce that. And she's like, well, what makes you think it's not going to be? Yeah. I was like, oh, it's like the light bulb went on at that point. You know, it was She was such a godsend, she really was, or is, because she's still in my life.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like autoimmune disorders. There's no cure for the vast majority of those, Yes. but for many of them, there is a treatment Mm -hmm. that helps Yes. and can stop the tissue damage from it making your life worse. So for a lot of cancers, not all, but a lot Mm -hmm. of cancers that we don't have a cure for, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that there isn't a treatment. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Don't be afraid to go. And, you know, I would really, you know, anyone listening, you know, if you're dealing with anything that seems out of the norm, even a bite or rash or anything, you know, that doesn't seem right, don't be afraid to go and look into it. You know, because knowing is half the battle. And like you said, there are so many advances you know and thankfully uh the lymphoma that i live with was caught stage 1a 1b you know and yes it requires me to get treatment for the rest of my life but you know what it keeps it manageable it keeps it at bay it keeps it from spreading you know and so um so and and again fear will keep people from going to check into it please don't do that you know, uh, go go look into it, because you just never know what help is there, you know, uh, so that you can go
1: on and live a healthy, productive life. Yeah. We know someone who uh, noticed that they started to have blood in the movement when they went to the toilet. Mm-hmm. And they were terrified because they were afraid that that meant that they had bowel cancer. Mm-hmm. And they were so afraid of it that they were too afraid to go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. I don't know what stage it was when Mm -hmm. they first noticed signs. But I think they put off going to see the doctor for like a year or 18 months until they were feeling sick. Wow. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a nasty disease. Mm -hmm. But. They could have been helped, Mm -hmm. or they could at least have been healthier and more comfortable and had a longer life Mm -hmm. of still good quality Mm -hmm. without that. And it's a horrible, horrible lesson for their friends that they need to get their regular checkups and see the doctor when they notice signs and symptoms. And if the doctor won't listen maybe get a friend to go with them because then there'll be two of you yelling that you need to pay attention and hey this is on fire over here maybe the fire department should be called and put that fire out (laughs) just (laughs) optionally if you don't mind a little but uh i totally yeah
0: it is um it's so important early detection you know uh i've you've We've all seen those billboards, you know, those slogans. Early detection save lives.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. And this is October when the fountains by the plaza turn pink. Yes. Um, but remember, despite pink being a color associated with women, men can also get breast cancer. If you're a guy and you notice something odd on your chest, don't think, ah, I must have strained something during all those reps at the gym because I'm so awesome and sturdy," Think, maybe there's something that I should get checked out here. And it's going to feel really weird going to a breast centre and getting scans, especially if it's during October when they're giving out tons of pink-related item to women for breast cancer, but still get yourself taken care of. And yes. if you're non-binary or if you're a trans woman and you've started taking hormone replacement therapy you can still get breast cancer and especially if you've got the genes for ones that are sensitive to the level of estrogen, um, you've got a higher risk at that point. So don't feel ashamed or embarrassed and anyone out there who has uh, breast augmentation surgery, they can still check your breast safely despite having breast augmentation in there. They, and although everyone complains about how much the mammogram machine squishes your boobs, they do not put enough pressure on there to burst your augmentations. They're not going to do that. You need to tell them that you have breast augmentations, so that if they see something odd in the scan, they'll know the source of it and they'll know to handle things correctly for having augmentation. But you totally can still be checked safely.
0: Yes, absolutely. I'm so glad you said that, because um, I have uh, a friend who um, has a transgender daughter, and she's, oh, maybe 23, how old is she, 23, 25, and, you know, she goes over, you know, to her mom's house one day, and she's like, I think I feel something. And so, you know, her mom, you know, my friend has her to lay down. And, you know, and at that point, and she said, you know, Sheila, I never even thought about teaching her how to do breast exams. And she said, sure enough, there was something there. And so they go, and thankfully it was nothing. They just said it was like a fatty sis, you know, but it was a huge lesson for them.
1: Yeah.
0: And she said, I just, she said, as a mom, I just felt horrible because i didn't tell her to do that i didn't teach her to do that
1: yeah and there's a lot of life lessons that you learn when you're younger and if you transition genders you get skipped on those
0: yes 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 but uh,
1: we're gonna have to skip to the next show coming up here now so